Grace, mercy, and peace be to you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. As Pastor Arp mentioned, we are entering into a new sermon series as we take a deep look at Paul's letter to the church in Rome uh, next week because we celebrate Holy Trinity Sunday this week. But the sermon series is titled Made Right. And Paul digs deeply into the theological truth that apart from faith in Christ, there is no righteousness. The right spirit, we studied last week, the right spirit awakens our hearts and calls us alive to become more and more like our Savior every day. And we learned that the Holy Spirit is a spirit of truth, life, holiness, adoption, wisdom, revelation, and glory. That is the spirit that was sent to you in your baptisms and continues to come to you through word and sacrament. Today, we take time to look at the right mission. The right mission. You see, the church has always had one overriding mission, to make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that Jesus has commanded to us. And how we do that here at St. Luke's in this time and in this place is by awakening hearts in every generation to the power of life in Christ. That's our mission. Our overarching, overriding mission. But sometimes we have our own missions in life, our own goals that we long to achieve, right? Whatever we want for, for our benefit and our personal kingdom growth, right? We, we long to provide for our families, to have a, a good home. When you're young, you dream about the right school and college and then the right career and, and to be successful. Relationally, we, we long to be connected with somebody in a meaningful way in marriage and raise a family that follows after God. And goodness gracious, we do need to keep ahead of our neighbors. We need the bigger boat, the bigger car, the bigger house, and we're a community that's filled with affluence. I spoke with a, a person who has a friend who's a 53-year-old billionaire. I can't count that high. But he just purchased, this billionaire just purchased a $24 million home. But he said, it's okay because this one small room is my prayer room. And it's easy for me to look at somebody who has a $24 million home and go, really, do you need that much home when there are so many homeless people out there? And I think that as I step into my really nice Mustang, and do I really need a really nice Mustang? See, I think that we are perhaps all a little bit guilty of building up our own kingdoms. Now, I'm not suggesting that we be exactly like Acts chapter 2 and sell all that we have and give it to the poor. But maybe it is a good time to think about how are we sacrificially investing in the kingdom of God? What are we pouring into this right mission that we have? This right mission. See, the Father, he sent the Son on a mission. Right? He sent him to earth to be God incarnate, God with us, wrapped up in human flesh, to engage with humanity, 
to live and walk with us, to teach us, to bring healing. And in that teaching and healing ministry, Jesus gives us a brief glimpse at the kingdom of God, the world put right, that we will one day see in all of its fullness. But that was not just his small part of his mission, because his true purpose was to suffer and die on the cross to pay the price of our sins in full, and then to rise victoriously to prove his victory over sin, death, and the power of Satan, and then to rise again and ascend into heaven with a promise that he will come again to judge the living and the dead. And then, not only does the Father send the Son on a mission, but then the Son sends the Holy Spirit on a mission, right? This promise to send the Helper on the day of Pentecost to empower the mission that they receive today, the right spirit, right? The right spirit of truth, life, holiness, adoption, wisdom, revelation, and glory. And now our triune God has given us this right mission, You see, it's the Father's will that all would be saved. We have the Son's good news. And from the Holy Spirit, we are empowered to carry this out, to make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and to observe all that Jesus has commanded to you by awakening hearts in every generation to the power of life in Christ. Sometimes our doubts get in the way. It's really interesting in our text today that the disciples, the 11, were on the mountain in Galilee waiting for Jesus as he instructed them. And when Jesus arrives, they worship him, like this deep worship. But some doubted. Where's that come from? And you see, for a long time in my life, I understood this text incorrectly because I always imagined that this great commission that Jesus says to go and make disciples happened right before he ascended into heaven. But that's not the case at all. That's not when this is taking place. You see, our text today says that They were in Galilee. Remember when Mary uh, saw Jesus for the first time after the resurrection, he said, go with the disciples and meet me in Galilee. And so they travel from Jerusalem through Samaria into Galilee up in the north. And that's where this is taking place, most likely very early after the resurrection. The ascension happened on the Mount of Olives, just outside Jerusalem back down in the south, two separate locations, two separate events. So this happened right after the resurrection, and you can think that the disciples' minds are still swimming with thoughts of what has just happened, what in the world is going on, what will happen next as they travel these 80 miles from Jerusalem to Galilee. If you made about 20 miles a day, that gives you That gives you uh, four days. Lots of time to reminisce and think about those things that had happened. Still a lot of doubts. Still a lot of concerns. What kind of doubts do we have? It gives us at least a little bit of grace that the 11 disciples had moments of doubt. 
And as we think about this great, great commission that we are given, sometimes we can have doubts that creep into our minds that restrict how effective or willing we are to carry it out. Right? Do we act on this mission? Or do we doubt that we're not equipped enough? Or we don't have enough time, or we don't know enough, or I don't think that I would be any good. There are other people far better at this making disciples thing than I am. And knowing their doubts, Jesus responds. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. All authority. Anytime I hear the word authority, my mind goes right back to confirmation class and thinking about the fourth commandment to honor your mother and father, that it might go well with you. And this is not just that we honor our moms and dads, but everybody that God has placed in authority over our lives. That we recognize that by honoring those who are in authority over us, we are in fact honoring God. We are acknowledging that all power and authority originates from him. All power and authority comes from our Lord. He is not an authority. He is not even the highest authority. He is the only source of authority. And anyone claiming to have authority apart from what has been given by God is just simply mistaken. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. In the context of the disciples' doubts, this authority of Jesus speaking into their lives dissolves that doubt. This is the highest, the only authority. And so in the midst of all of our different missions in life that we have to be successful and build our own kingdoms, Jesus isn't simply just suggesting, I'd like you to add this on. Jesus is suggesting that in all that you do, make disciples of all nations. In every aspect of your life, be connecting with people in meaningful ways that reflects me to them. Go and make disciples, baptizing and teaching. So what's a disciple actually mean? Right? It's not just that you are a fan of something. I am a, a huge fan of Kansas State football. I love Kansas State football. In fact, I'm probably a fanatic about Kansas State football. I, I, I'm following who they're recruiting today three years from now to play. But that doesn't make me a Kansas State disciple because there's more than just being a student or observer or being passionate about. You have to also emulate and I cannot emulate college football as a 47-year-old. I can't do it. I will never make the team. My chance is over. But to be a disciple means that you are so passionate about wanting to know as much as you can about Jesus. That you pour yourself into it. It's, it's, it's not even something that you have to think about. It's something you hunger for to spend more time in the word of God, more time with other believers in fellowship with one another. You long for that and you emulate Christ. Your life begins to change to become more and more Christ-like. 
Being a disciple is more than just a student. It's a student who follows and allows the Holy Spirit to transform who they are to be more like our Savior. And here at St. Luke's, we've defined what that looks like. Transformed lives of freedom, joy, sacrifice, and renewal. A transformed life of freedom is that we are set free to live like Christ, daily remembering our baptisms and reading the word and praying continually. A transformed life of joy is that we worship God and rejoice with one another through both the highs and the lows of life. Transformed lives of sacrifice is that we use all of our unique time, treasure, and talents God has entrusted to us to put others first and build up his kingdom. And transformed lives of renewal, that we are washed clean by the forgiveness of God and we generously forgive others as God transforms us into his image. And we are to do this to all nations. Now this word in Greek means more than just nations or countries. See, God's plan always was and still is for people to be saved without exclusion or exception. It's imperative that we share with all people, even those who's, who are not like us, through all generations, all backgrounds, all lifestyles, even all pronouns need to hear the word, repent, and be baptized to get started on their own discipleship journey. And from the 11 to us today, we are the church that carries out the mission, this mission that will last until the consummation of the age. A consummation is this concept of complete, not just the end, but complete. And I, and I love that idea because it, it conveys this idea that something quite consequential has just been completed and achieved. It's like Jesus himself saying, it is finished. Not that on the cross when he spoke those words, the suffering was done, but his work of salvation had been consummated, had been completed like an architect who works for years designing a building, being able to one day open the door and walk into it. We continually work on this great commission until the mission is accomplished. It's not mission impossible, it's mission incredible. And we think of the joy in the return of Christ, not merely as our chance to see the kingdom of God as, as we've always intended to, but have the joy and satisfaction of a mission accomplished. And that that accomplishment was empowered all the while by the Holy Spirit as the Father looks at us and declares, well done, good and faithful servant. Because that mission has been accomplished. Imagine our entire community coming alive to the power of life in Christ. And may that thought bring you peace that passes all understanding through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen.